You can download the NBC Sports Radio app and listen 24-7. Um, Houston, after losing game one the other night in, in what looked like a fashion that was not going to be pretty, it looked like we were going to have two uncompetitive conference finals. Um, unlikely, com- well, one of them was an unlikely, com- uh, unlikely non-competitive conference final. Uh, Houston came off the deck last night. P.J. Tucker, Eric Gord remembered that, yes, they are there to play basketball, and they gave Harden some some uh, some support last night. They blew out the Warriors. Uh, really a tale of two games in that series. Is Houston back on track now? Uh, yes, but we'll see. I mean, it's one thing to do it at home when you kind of know you have to win because you're down one nothing and about to, about to go to, to Oracle. Can they execute that game plan uh, that well on the road against what will be, I think, a, a Warriors team that comes out with obviously adjustments, but I think just a little more energy. And, and we'll see. And I, it, to me, as much as we're talking about PJ Tucker being great and, and certainly he's nailing the corner threes and they found the guys, it starts on the defensive end for them. They pressured so much better. They were much smarter about their health. They, you know, Clay Thompson wasn't getting wide open three after wide open three to, to, to use the easy, obvious example, but. They turned the, that defensive pressure into misses, then they got rolling earlier in the shot clock, so they got you know, transition points, but also just got some of the mismatches, and they weren't waiting until they were – they weren't walking it up and then going with seven seconds on the clock because they got the matchup they finally wanted. They were able to do things faster and to catch the Warriors' defense scrambling more. Can they do that again? I, it was, that's the blueprint. What they did in that game with a couple more threes is what they have to do in one of the next two games. I'm just not convinced they can. I, just, I think the Warriors will step it up a notch, but we'll see. So as we, as we look at things here, uh, series-wise, you know, there's, a, there's a big gap uh, in the series here, uh, leaving Boston to head to yeah. Cleveland. Um, I asked earlier, you know, is Ty Lue going to be able to pass the final if he has four days to study when he hasn't taken notes all <laughs> semester, I guess? Uh, what what is there anything that ca- ca- Cleveland's going to be able to do differently, and if so, what outside of the fact that maybe Tony Brothers and Scott Foster call the game in, in Game Three? Like, because I after after I, sur- I, after surviving the the what I thought was going to be a classic LeBron onslaught in Game Two, I, I'm not as I'm not as worried about this series as I once was. Yeah, because I think what you're going to get in Game Three is is more of that, and and frankly, hopefully for if for Cavs fans and not Boston fans. They've got to play with more desperation, and not you know. It's for them. That's their role players. Kevin Love was fine in Game Two, but I mean, outside of shoving guys midair, I'm not sure what J.R. Smith is doing. Um, they're not getting enough out of George Hill. They're not getting enough out of any of their role players. I think home at home they'll get that better in Game Three, and they'll be they'll be desperate. They should be desperate. <laughs> Obviously, can't go down three nothing. I think there'll be a new level of energy and desperation from the Cavaliers in that game. But I think Game Two was instructive this way. Like you said, I mean that was a classic LeBron onslaught. They were brilliant in the you know he was just fantastic. They were getting everything they wanted. Then they get to the second half and they can't defend. They just their defensive execution is so bad, and you can just continue to pick them apart and make plays and. I don't know why, if we if they couldn't do it in those two games, why we suddenly or anyone would suddenly think, oh yeah, now the Cavs got home, they're going to totally execute uh, for forty eight, yeah, you know, for two games at forty eight minutes. They're just not. I think they're going to come apart and lose one of those two. And that said, man, LeBron James is the ultimate X factor, and he has come back from three one in the finals before. So like, I, I hate to count him out because he's LeBron James and he does this kind of thing, but. 
watching that game, too, really, really reinforced how far Boston as a team is ahead of the Cavs right now. What is LeBron's next move? I, I was reading an article today that, you know, it kind of ranked it. It went kind of Houston, Philadelphia, and the Lakers. And then, of course, you have, you know, other teams on there that, that might slot in. There's talk that maybe he'll go out and be a mercenary. You know, he'll opt into his, his deal with Cleveland and try to force a trade to Houston, which isn't easy. I mean, Houston tried to get Carmelo Anthony. I think in hindsight, they're pretty happy that didn't happen. Um, you know, what, what is his next move? Because I, I don't think any of these acquisitions that they made at the deadline, which when they got hot right after the deadline, everybody thought that things were going to be looking up. Doesn't look like Rodney Hood, George Hill and the gang or in Larry Nance Jr. Are, are really, you know, making that roster look any better for him moving forward. So, and that Brooklyn pick landed at number eight. So I, I don't know what his next move yeah. is. What, where would you handicap it if you were ranking him? Yeah, they're not getting a franchise player at number eight. They're going to get a nice player, but you know, they're not getting a franchise guy there. Um, I, here's what I think, though. I, I, if you made me pick one team right now, I'd probably still pick Cleveland, honestly, because, yes, he can opt in and try to force his way in a trade to Houston, but Houston is so far over the cap. And, frankly, everything Cleveland would want from Houston – they traded to the Clippers last year for the Chris Paul. Right, yeah. They, I mean, who are you looking at on that roster thinking, man, I totally got to get that guy. Like, there's nobody. So I'm not sure how that comes together. He could try to force it. But they, they, to make this all work and try to get him as a free agent, they have to gut the roster. Yeah. They, they actually have to gut And so I'm not sure how that works for them. Philadelphia, maybe. I mean, that's possible to me. I can see that. Um, but then the Lakers, I mean, He's going to, even if he and Paul George go there, what are they? The third best team in the West? Maybe fourth, depending on what you think of Minnesota? Like, they're not going to be that good. I think he might look at his options this summer and think, I'm going to opt out and re sign a one plus one so I can get out in a year or try to force a deal in a year. Because I don't know, I mean, it's very possible he's going to look at these options and just say, ah, these all stink. That's a good point. So, and that's that's kind of what I'm wondering. Like, there's there's not a lot of great options out there. Like, I don't think he's taken, no. he, he's not taking the the best of that. Okay, my, uh, go ahead. You, you, look, I was just going to say, does he want to leave bad enough that he'd take a lot less money? I mean, I know it's an ego thing oh, for all he, those guys. But. He's he's already said he wouldn't. He already has said he will not take a discount. Um, I think the best anybody's going to get is like you mentioned before. Like he might opt into the massive last deal he's got. But he and Chris Paul made a big stink about not as as you know two of the top guys in the union about. Hey, don't don't let the owners off the hook. They're making money. Take their cash. Take the max amount of cash you can get. Don't 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 do that player discount to win thing. Um, it, it would be really hypocritical for him to turn around and then do that. What do you think? What do you think the uh, mix would be between Brown and uh, LeBron in uh, Philly? Uh, in Philly, in Phil- uh, Brett Brown's—he comes out of that that Spurs background. I think it could work. I I, I think Brett Brown's a, a really he did a, did a good job. I know there were people yeah. in Philly calling for his head because. I don't know. He only jumped from twenty-eight to fifty-two wins and made the play, you know, second round of the playoffs. Yeah, you got to fire the coach then. Um, <laughs> um, he did get out coached by Brad Stevens, but if, honestly, if, if that's the bar, twenty-eight teams looking for a new coach. Pretty good, is right. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I think that they could make it work. I think he. The, the question Philly really has to ask itself is: It really likes where it's at and how it's growing. Understandably, they're going to have the number ten pick this year. They're going to have all this good stuff coming down the line. They can bring in good free agents. 
LeBron brings his own culture, his own style. You have to adapt somewhat to who LeBron is. Do they want to go there? I think they would, but I think it's something they're going to ask. But, I mean, they're going to be in the mix for Paul George this summer, and if they don't land anybody they like this summer, they'll be in the mix for anybody next summer. They've got a lot of cash. Hmm. Kurt Heelan from Pro Basketball Talk, probasketballtalk.com. You can download the NBC Sports Radio app, listen 24-7, 365, 366 on Leap Year. Kurt, thank you very much. <laughs> That's a good one. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Take care. That's Kurt Heelan from probasketballtalk.com here on the B-List Daily.